The Life of General Belisarius. Belisarius' first attempt to relieve Rome. It had not been his intention to touch any part of the southern coast of Italy, but a storm constrained the pilots to enter the port of Oranto. This city was now again invested by some Gothic troops on on beholding the Byzantine ships precipitously raised the siege and fled towards the unwalled town of Brindisi. They had trembled at the approach of Belisarius, but when they learnt that his fleet had again put to sea and was steering around the Cape of Lucca, they imagined all personal danger had passed. Their careless security proved advantageous to John the Sanguinary, who had crossed the straits unperceived and who was guided by the treachery of one of a captive in the camp of the barbarians before they were appraised even of his landing. Being wholly unsuspicious of attack, they were ill-prepared for resistance, and the Byzantines had no other toil than to slaughter the helpless or pursue the fugitive soldiers. From hence the Byzantine officer proceeded to Cansium or to Canos, within four miles of the field of Canae where he found himself welcomed as a friend and a deliverer. The fickle population, thinking as usual the present hardships almost intolerable, had forgot the late tyranny and oppression of their Byzantine rulers and were now only alive to the disgrace that Orthodox Catholics should obey an Arian monarch. A great part of Apulia and the neighboring provinces seized this occasion for revolt, and John encountered no opposition whatsoever until he reached Capua. He found the body of 300 chosen soldiers which Totila had sent with instructions to hover on the rear of the invaders and not to close upon them until other forces should attack them from the front. John was apprehensive of being surrounded and cut off and without attempting to reach the station of Belisarius undertook the easy enterprise of overwhelming the Gothic bands in Lucania. Belisarius, who meanwhile had reached Puerto with his armament, and was impatiently awaiting the juncture of his officer, loudly complained of the cowardice which had withheld the flower of the Byzantine army from charging and dispersing three hundred barbarians. That John was really deficient in bravery might be presumed from his proposal at Dracanum, and since the same men commonly unite foolhardiness in council with fears in the field, and endeavor by one to avert all suspicion of the other. But the practical courage of John had been proven in many hazardous encounters, and we may more justly ascribe his retreat at Capua to his preferring the profits and independence of a separate command. Finding it useless to expect any longer the cooperation of his lieutenant, Belisarius applied himself singularly to the difficult but necessary task of relieving Rome. In the long and laborious preparations which Totila had made against the attack, he had prudently considered the genius rather than the force of his antagonist. He had availed himself of the changes in the channel of the Tiber, which by no means display a regular and progressive augmentation as it advances towards the sea, but appears from example much less broad near the castle San Angelo than near the Pont de Mole. At a point about 13 miles below the city where the two banks approached most nearly together, Totila joined them by massive beams in the manner of a bridge, flanked at each end by a solid wooden tower. The summit of these towers was lined with detachments of his bravest soldiers. At a certain distance in front, a strong iron chain was drawn across the river, and other troops were stationed at the side of the additional defense. Since precautions seemed to render utterly impractical the navigation of the Tiber, more especially against the stream. But as Belisarius could not venture a battle on shore, he had no other choice. His enterprise against these formidable barriers was one of the boldest that indeed of any age. 
by pretended deserters from his camp who joined the Goths only to report their proceedings, he ascertained the precise position and measurements of the bulwarks that they had raised. In consequence of this information, he fastened two of his largest boats compactly together and constructed on their united surface a tower surpassing in height those of the hostile bridge and containing an ample supply of sulfur, bitumen, and other similar combustibles. Two hundred boats were laden with provisions and manned with chosen soldiers, who were protected by cover of the thick planks from the darts of the enemy, while a great number of smaller apertures enabled them to discharge their own. At Porto itself, Belisarius left only a single squadron, which he entrusted to Isaac, with the strictest injunctions to maintain his appointed station as the last and only fortress still possessed by the Byzantines on this coast, and not to be drawn from the ramparts by any motive whatever, not even should intelligence arrive that the general had fallen. The remaining troops were posted in strong and well-chosen positions on each bank of the Tiber to protect the approach of the port and to keep the forces of Totila at bay and orders were at the same time dispatched to Bessius to second the attack of his countrymen by a vigorous and seasonable sally. Belisarius in person took command of this adventurous expedition. By dint of sails and oars, the loaded ships slowly but successfully ascended the averse stream. With their missiles, from the, which from the deck of the ships the enemy had no effectual means of returning, the Byzantines slew or scattered the outposts near the iron chain forced this weighty barrier, and then arrived close to the Gothic bridge. The barbarians in this quarter made a brave and persevering resistance. The new reinforcements were pouring in from the neighboring camp when Belisarius directed his floating castle against them. The combustibles he had provided were thrown into the Gothic tower on the northern bank. Its wooden material assisted their effort. It almost instantaneously appeared in full blaze and of the 200 soldiers it contained, every one perished in the flames. Appalled at this sudden and unexpected disaster, the barbarians fled. The bridge was abandoned to the exulting assailants, and no further obstacle seemed to intervene between them and the capital. At this moment of triumph, the fruits of victory were snatched from Belisarius by the double disobedience of his officers. The opposite vices of youth and of age appeared to have conspired against him. Bessius had found in the famine of Rome such ample gratification for his avarice that he rejoiced in the continence of the siege and was unwilling to see it close until the last remains of wealth had been wrung from the wretched inhabitants. On the other hand, the martial spirit of Isaac was aroused by the news of success. He forgot his orders, advanced with all of his troops against a Gothic encampment and after first advantage from surprise was defeated and taken prisoner with his followers. Some fugitive horsemen announced this overthrow to Belisarius, who trusted too hastily their exaggerated statement and believing the ramparts of Porto to be now utterly defenseless, gave the signal for retreat. On his arrival, he found that fear had, as usual, greatly magnified the evil, and that a more steady adherence to his first design might perhaps have saved the capital, in spite of the misconduct of his subalterns. The value of Porto to the Romans would furnish excuses to poets and other historians, but other historians will suspect that Belisarius was misled by the instant of dismay and appeared for once deficient in firmness and decision. A dangerous and almost fatal fever was the result of his grief and disappointment, and his illness unfortunately prevented any further attempt for the deliverance of Rome. So we have a little setback for Belisarius here. He is getting old after all. But this business with his 
commanders being so insubordinate is just drives me nuts. It's just ridiculous. At any rate, the sources for this, the Wars of Justinian by Procopius, the History of Byzantium by Norwich, the Byzantine Art of War by Decker, the Byzantine Army 324 to 1453 by Turnbull, and the Life of Belisarius by Mahome. So I hope you enjoyed that, and as always, don't forget to come by the website summahistorica.com or historyaccordingtobob.com and ask a question, leave a comment, check out our merchandise, and if you like what we're doing, please feel free to support us. Thank you very much.